Hey guys, it's Ed, and I'm coming to you from the Drunk Gossip Studios here in Detroit. And again, temporary. I've recorded this intro like four times, and for some reason I keep messing it up. So we're just going to deal with this. Temporary Drunk Gossip Studios in Detroit. Y'all know I live in New York. I'm just in Detroit on a little bit of a mini vacation here. (laughs) Some people say mini vacation. Me. Other people say gone too long. Um... But, you know, that's just how it goes. So, today we are doing an episode of Blind Item Reveals. Um, And again, this is probably going to be an entire weekend thing. So, sit back, relax, and let's get right to it. These reveals come to us from Crazy Days and Nights. For the juiciest gossip, head on over to crazydaysandnights.net. And this one is called Blind Item Revealed Number 9. I don't think people realize just how much money the federal government contributes to the financing of movies. It can be in the tens of millions of dollars in direct aid and then a priceless amount of indirect aid such as being allowed to film being allowed to film permit and cost free on government lands and in buildings owned by the government. Oftentimes The excess comes with a price. Such was the case a few years ago when it came to Oscar time. There was a movie which had been raking up awards at every award show. It was an unstoppable force. The thing is, though, when it came to the Academy Awards, the fix was in. No, not the accounting firm. No, no one at the accounting firm did anything shady. Although, now that I think about it, that would probably be the easiest way to make sure things went according to plan. And... And would require much less work. Instead, what happened was a group of politicians who chaired committees that are the biggest givers of money to movie and television productions sent out a missive to studio heads and several hundred top directors and producers passed the word. Make sure you and the people who work for you do not vote for this movie to win. Apparently, because the movie cast a certain governmental department in a bad light, the politicians were not happy. They also believed that insiders from the department that were that was portrayed so poorly were the ones who leaked all the details. The message was clear. If the movie wins any awards, we will blame you for the win and the money tree will dry up. Now, obviously, it would not be just one company, a producer, or a director at fault, but the message was clear and the word spread. A movie which had been hauling in awards won just one minor Oscar despite all the nominations. Business in Hollywood continued as usual. And the movie was Zero Dark Thirty. I'm trying to remember. I thought Zero Dark Thirty won... Um, I thought it won a lot of awards. But clearly I'm wrong. Um, but... There, so the controversy started very early on that Catherine Bigelow, who directed the movie, made it a partisan film. And um, that really, in liberal-loving Hollywood, as Will loves to call it, and for the record, Will is not a Republican or anything like that. Um, 
But, you know, Hollywood loves liberals. Liberals love Hollywood. It's, it's a really great relationship for both sides. So, it should come as no surprise that a lot of these political movies do have a leftward slant. And for a Republican a Republican controlled Congress, that can be um, that can be a problem. Um, uh, do do. And, indeed, it did, I thought Catherine Bigelow won for Zero Dark Thirty, but apparently she did not. Um, She she wasn't even nominated. Uh, Which is a big sign that the the movie is probably not going to win Best Picture. Um, You heard all of this during the Big Drunk Awards um, episode, so I'm not going to go any further into it. I am going to take a break and come right back, though. And I'm back. So this uh, this reveal is really intriguing to me. Um, for, for two reasons, and I'm going to explain both of them after we do the reveal. Um, but just keep in mind, um, and he kind of outed himself a little bit here. Um, so this is blind item reveal number five. I wouldn't go over to her house at night. I have been to it during the day, and it is lovely. At night, all I can think of is some type of get-out situation. You have a foreign-born, A-list, mostly movie actress, who is an Academy Award winner slash nominee, who is a completely different person at home. The interactions she has with her family are crazy. They make everyone uncomfortable. Whether it is dealing with a parent or dealing with her kids, The discipline is crazy and just feels dark and like a horror movie. The terror is real and the punishments are swift and harsh. The thing is, our actress is trying to find a mate who wants to be involved in this house of horrors. And I am not just talking hyperbole right now when I say that person has a good chance of ending up dead, most likely under very strange circumstances. So the first thing here... Um, and the answer is Charlize Theron. And the first thing here is... Um, when he talks about Charlize's partner possibly ending up dead... Um, her father was was shot by her mother. Allegedly, he was very abusive. And her mother came to a point where she just couldn't take it anymore. Um, as, that's the story that's... Um, that's all we've ever been told. Um, at least, and I haven't researched it much. But, I think it's very, very intriguing that it came out the way it did. Um, you know, there's, there's just something about it that seems shaky. So... Here's the other thing that Inti Lawyer inadvertently revealed, or could possibly have revealed. 
either Charlize was A, his client at one point, or is still his client, or B, and this is the most likely of the two scenarios, Charlize was or is an informant of his. It, again, it would not be a big surprise um, being an entertainment lawyer and having a popular gossip site. I'm sure that he gets all sorts of tips and he has all sorts of sources. Now, maybe it's not Charlize herself. It could be a member of her staff um, or, or something of that sort. But he kind of did out that since he said he'd been there during the day. There's some sort of um, familiar relationship. You know, that's not a big surprise. We know Gina Rodriguez is a... Of Jane the Virgin fame. We know that she's a um, source of his, as is Amanda Peet. Um, and that's how he got a lot of Game of Thrones um, items. Because he and Amanda Peet are really tight. Um, so, that being said, who knew that Charlize Theron was so out there? The answer is we did. Um, almost everybody knew. When she started talking about how she deserved a man and she was looking for a partner, um, and she'd been looking for quite some time. That's not typical behavior. Especially of a, a star of her stature. Um, you know... Typically speaking... Stars don't go around begging for boyfriends. Unless your name is Lindsay Lohan. And I don't even think Lohan has sunk so far... As to complain about being single. She just moved out of the country. You know. I think. In in a very real way. And I'm being really honest. Not sarcastic here. I really feel like. Charlize feels like she's above everyone else. And. So, I think she, and when she did that, she was actually trying to be more relatable. Like, girl, I get it, I'm single too, and it's okay. And I don't know why she suddenly took on the Britney Southern accent, but she did. <laughs> but but seriously, I, that's what I truly, truly believe. Um, that she was trying to be relatable, but she's not relatable. There's some fucked up shit going on over there. And I'm going to take a break try to get this off of me, um, get this off my mind, and I'll be right back. And I'm back. And this is a longer, um, this is going to be a longer segment, it's a longer reveal, so I just want to warn you up front, there's also a lot of not safe for work stuff in here, um, including child molestation and rape, so just prepare yourselves. Um, and we haven't talked about the Jeffrey Epstein um, charges yet, not because I don't want to, but because I'm actually preparing a deep dive into it. Um, I don't know when that's going to come. I need to see if I can get Will to help me with it, even though he's technically on vacation. <laughs> um, so here we go. 
Blind item reveal number two. And it says, there is a group of victims who were not victims of Jeffrey Epstein, but were victims of another sex predator. What they share in common with the victims of Epstein, though, is an inability to speak about their own experiences at the hands of the predator. From the time of the predator's arrest, they have been trying to speak but have been shut down by federal law enforcement and threatened with deportation if they speak. You see, the victims of this former A-plus celebrity in his corner of the entertainment world were children of primarily undocumented workers. These workers perform the tasks necessary to keep the resort where the A-plus lister performed open and clean. They thought he was being nice when he would invite their children to shows. They would be his guests while their parents toiled for minimum wage or sometimes even less. What happened though was rape and sexual assault of children all filmed and shared with like-minded child pornographers all over the world. So why keep quiet about it? Why would the feds care about keeping that part quiet? Well, our A-plus lister had financial backers. They were hugely, there were hugely expensive servers and encrypted cloud resources that were beyond what the A-lister could do or had knowledge about. Much like with Epstein, you had the rich and powerful who would be exposed. Several of the rich and powerful are some of the largest political donors to campaigns for almost every office on the state and federal level. It would hurt the pocketbooks of politicians to have those people in jail or compromised. So you keep everyone quiet and ignore what happened in person and focus on what happened everywhere else. The bad guy goes to jail and everyone was supposed to be satisfied with it. The thing is, though, lots were not and wanted more justice and also money and to give their statements. Nope. Threatened with deportation. They have all... They all have stayed quiet, and they are expected to stay up quiet about it forever. This is John Rovin Fuchner, Tropicana. I'm assuming that's where he performed, or that could be the name of his show. So, a little bit more about this. Um, the Blind actually was posted in May of... Um, May 6th of 2019. John, or Jan, I'm pretty sure it's pronounced John, though. I think he's French. Um, John was sentenced to 20 years in prison. Um, on February 20... Uh, it doesn't say, I'm sorry. I thought it was, it was in February. Um, February 28th, I was right. And U.S. District Judge Gloria Navarro imposed a $500,000 fine on him and sentenced him to 20 years in prison. And she said, in this courtroom, at least, the show is over. Um, at which he fell over and fainted. And here's the thing, like, first of all, how fucked up are you that you're raping kids? That's the, that's the number one thing here. 
how messed up do you have to be to rape a child? You know, and it, from the sounds of it, these are, you know, because I know someone is going to argue, oh, you know, 16, 17. No, th- this sounds like these were little kids, eight, nine years old. And even if they were 16, 17, the man is, in, at least in his 50s, what the fuck are you looking at a 16, 17-year-old for? That's disgusting, period. I am not going to argue about that at all. And and to faint, what were you hoping for? That you would get some leniency because you fainted? You screwed up. You did wrong. Do the time. Come out a better... Hopefully come out a better person. You know, the $500,000 fine is probably not going to be a huge issue for you because... You were apparently a huge celebrity, and you probably raked in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. Pay that fine. Let your victims, at least of known victims, get some justice in all of this. And for the love of God, just stop. Stop with the kids. I, I hope... That all these pedophiles, Jeffrey Epstein and John, are never, ever, ever allowed around children again. And I'm going to take a break. So I'll be right back. And I'm back. And you know, sometimes life is much stranger than fiction. And this next blind item reveal, I've I've read the blind. Um, I don't think I... I don't believe I read it on air, but I, I've, I've read this line more than one time. Um, I read it when it was originally published. I've read it now. Um, and I've read it three times now, and I'm still not sure what to make of it. So, but we're going to go ahead and get started reading it. It is called Blind Item Reveal Number One. I think it goes without saying that in Hollywood, life and art are interchangeable with one another. Especially when you consider Quentin Tarantino's latest effort. Although I think even he would have a hard time co- concocting such a story, a story such as this one. The main subject of this blind is someone we will refer to as BK. Back in the day, BK got a part in a movie, a movie that was quite a big deal when it first came out. He was brought onto the film by a former A-list director thanks to a particular skill he had. The A-list director felt that having him on set would lend more authenticity to a certain scene, and it's fair to say he was right on the money. The scene, while not overtly explicit, made a lot of people very uncomfortable when the movie came out, and I think, to this day, it still does. Fast forward a couple years after the movie's release, and PK had gotten into a lot of trouble. The trouble came when he met a person who we'll call MC. Both BK and MC had a lot of things in common, and hit it off pretty well. MC was actually known in a certain corner of the entertainment world, and this impressed BK. They also shared a love of drug and booze. On the night they met, they both kicked things along by doing all sorts of drugs and drinking heavily into the early morning. Eventually, they ended up back at MC's apartment and continued to drink and party some more before BK ended up having sex with MC. Later on, MC made it clear to BK that they didn't have a future together and that he should just go home. 
Now, BK had a lot of personal issues, mostly brought on by alcohol and drug use. Being in the condition that he was that he was in, and hearing that MC hearing that from MC caused him in, to fly into a rage. So right then and there, he brutally bashed and stabbed MC to death before fleeing the apartment and going into hiding. A week or so had passed after the killing, and BK continued drinking very heavily. During this time, MC's body had been found by the police, and the story was in the media. BK decided that it would be a good idea to contact someone known to MC and recompense for his latest sin, albeit with the privilege of anonymity. What BK didn't know was that someone else would eventually give him up, someone who wasn't known to the police or the person BK contacted. In turn, BK was identified as MC's killer and promptly arrested. When the when police found him in his apartment, he was drunk out of his mind and incoherent, but still protesting his innocence. He would spend the next two decades in prison for the murder of MC, but early in his sentence, he got an unexpected visit from an old friend, the A-list director. At the time, the, the, the director was going through a few troubles of his own and was coming off a massive bomb. He was working on a new movie and wanted to speak with BK regarding the content of the script. They got to talking and eventually the conversation turned to MC. BK admitted that he did, in fact, kill MC in cold blood despite his pleas to the contrary. Not only did he confess that to that murder, but he went into detail about several other ones, some that dated back to the time they worked together on the movie. These murders were well known and the director has never really spoken at length about what BK told him. But sources say that he knows a lot more than he is letting on. As for BK, he was eventually released from prison, but he has since vanished and no one really knows what happened to him afterward. When you consider the movie that he was in, he wouldn't be the only one to meet a mysterious fate. BK is a Paul Bateson. MC is a film critic Addison Verrill. Movie was The Exorcist. Director was William Friedkin. Particular skill radiographer. Massive bomb sorcerer. And the new movie was Cruising. That is a lot to take in. And y'all know that I have to, I ha- I literally have to write a true crime article about this because it is just so bizarre and out there and Hollywood, it's right up my alley. You know what else is right up my alley? Taking a break and coming right back. So that's what I'm going to do. And I'm back. And we're going to end today's episode with a reveal that uh, may seem a little lackluster in in the gossip world, but it actually has really strong implications. The reason why it's lackluster is because everyone guessed it correctly, um, which is something. But more than that, um... You you can tell I'm watching my words carefully here. Um, this is Will's influence, and um, once again, Will does so much for the show. We let's all just send him thank yous. Um, seriously, like I would. There's so much work that's done behind the scenes that allows me just to to record, and that's really fantastic. Um, but the reason why. The reason why it seems lackluster is because everyone got it right. 
And that's really unusual for a blind item. There's usually um, something that's off or something that's wrong. But in this case, it lined up perfectly. Everyone got it right. Um, and it's hinting at a major, major scandal with someone who has come to prominence, who, who came to fame as an actress, but has um, increased her fame by being um, vocal about the Me Too movement. Let's take a look at what I'm talking about. This is blind item reveal number 48. While doing press for a new movie, this permanent A-list mostly movie actor sat down for for what is probably his longest interview ever. What was going to be just a long piece in a monthly magazine may turn out to be a book or a limited series. The actor finally opened up about his past and laid out a series of points as to why he thinks one of his exes was killed. He also told the reporter, who wouldn't share the final answer, saving it for the article, book, or show, who he suspects murdered his ex. The thing is, though, the, the reporter did say it is not the guess you would expect. I guess I would expect the illiterate, drug-using, horrible person singer. Was it the former girlfriend who was suddenly the girlfriend right after the death? That same girlfriend who was BFFs with the actress significant other of the illiterate drug using horrible person or singer if you believe the story of the illiterate drug using horrible person why would the ex come back did someone ask her to come back did someone tell her to come back someone who knew what a likely result would be the answer is keanu reeves is the one who was giving the interview jennifer syme is his deceased girlfriend the um, horrible singer slash person is Marilyn Manson. His, um, his mutual ex, Marilyn Manson's mutual ex with Keanu Reeves is Amanda D. Canadette. I fucked up her name and I'm not sorry. And the ex-girlfriend of Marilyn Manson is Rose McGowan. Now, a lot of people are saying that Amanda... And Rose were besties. And that there's something a little bit shady about that. And they're also wondering why, if Keanu Reeves knew that... Um, if, if it was Rose, why is he keeping it a secret? Why is he protecting her? Some people are speculating that he knew about the abuse and he's just a really empathetic person. And tries to just be a really decent human being all around. And that's fair. Because Keanu Reeves is a decent man. He's the internet's boyfriend, which blows his mind. Um, and I think he, if, if it is Rose McGowan who was the cause of all of this, I think he feels really sorry for her. Um... If he thinks it's Amanda, it's a little troubling that he dated her before and after Jennifer. Um, and she's she was around him for quite some time. Now, again, it could be one of those things where he's just really empathetic and wants to believe that um, it was a mistake or she wasn't re- really being malicious. 
But if he believes that she was mur- that Jennifer was murdered, um, then that kind of throws everything off. Maybe he feared that no one would believe him. And that is always a really big case. Because Jennifer allegedly was at least drunk. We don't know if there was any anything else in her system at that point. But she was at least drunk when, um, when she died and got into that car accident. So could it be that... Um, could it be that he just didn't feel like anyone would believe him and therefore said nothing because why why cause all this trouble if nothing good is going to come of it and again that's a fair assertion i think you know i and i realize people are going to disagree with me and they're going to say oh you so crazy boo but at the end of the day I think if you really, really look at it, there, there's something to be said about this. There's really something to be said about the whole situation. Um, you know, th- there's something to be said about law enforcement actually listening to the people around. Because Jennifer, from my understanding, had left and gone home. So there was no reason for her to go back unless she was invited back by someone. And it sounds like that's what Keanu believes, too. Like, that she was called back because somebody knew what was going to happen. Maybe they even used him. Maybe they invoked Keanu's name and said, Hey, you know, he'll be here. Why don't you come see him? Or find out if he's cheating on you or whatever the case is. In any case, it's a tragic story. I cannot wait for this interview or book or whatever to come out because it is going to be huge. It is going to fuel gossip for quite some time. But for right now, I'm going to thank you all so much for listening. As always, we do what we do because you love us and we love you. So thank you all. And until tomorrow's blind item reveals, cheers.